Welcome to the Shelf Warmers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, and their connection to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about gaps in our collections. I'm your co-host, Darby, and we're going to talk about understanding what creates those gaps. By way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, a freelance writer and editor and an independent author. Publishers Weekly called my novel Ever the Hero an entertaining debut, which uses superpowers as a metaphor to delve into class politics and an alternate America. You can find more information about me and my books at DarbyHarn.com. I'm also on Twitter at DarbyHarn. And I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. Tonight, we're going to talk about gaps in our collections. Now, this whole thing started from uh, another video. There's a video from a YouTuber named Bobby Skullface. I watch him a lot for Transformers reviews. A lot of people, like he's, I don't know, controversial, I guess. I don't know how what? controversial a YouTuber can really be, but people are all so, over the place with his reviews. So just real quick, because I'm not super familiar with him. Um, why is he controversial? I don't know. To be honest, I have no idea. But some people say he's a sellout because he always likes the same thing and, and whatnot. For, for me personally, uh, what I've noticed is that his criteria for what is a good figure and what isn't often matches my own. His criticism, his uh, praise, when I get the figure in hand, it matches the same thoughts that I have. So if he's a sellout, if he isn't, he tends to have the same feelings that I have about the figures that, that I hold. Um, so like, for example, if I'll get a figure before he reviews it, I'll have the same thoughts that he espouses in the video. Um, or when he makes a video and then I get the figure, I've noticed that I've no I noticed the same things that he notices, good and bad. So as a result, I tend to watch him the most, not because his reviews are great or bad or anything like that, but because it's it's a pretty good metric of whether I would like the figure or not. Does he um, does he get like promo stuff from Hasbro or has he interviewed Hasbro uh, guys from the Transformers team? I find this part really fascinating because no, <laughs> he, okay. he in fact he um, he often says that he doesn't do sponsorships. He doesn't take sponsorships at all, and the reason for that is because he wants to always stay true. He wants to always give his his actual opinion and not filtered or edited through a sponsorship. Uh, the only reason I ask is because a lot of the discourse with YouTubers is when people start saying things like sellout or shell, they're usually aimed at people, prominent YouTubers, who have some sort of relationship with Hasbro, like 
you know, they'll interview that, you know, when they do the Q&As or they'll get, like, if you're on the li- list with Let's Keep PR, that they'll send you the promo boxes, you know, with, like, the new mm-hmm. toys, like, or, you know, you think of someone like Pixel Dan uh, with Mattel, who, uh, or other people that he interviews because Pixel Dan is uh, such a prominent guy and he's done, like, reveals for, he did a whole video uh, the Marvel retro figures, the the four inch figures, like a whole wave of those. So, you hear some from some corners. People are like, "Oh, sellout chill." I think that's sort of sour grapes, personally. But yeah, to me, I think it is. The other thing that I think that's going on with uh, Skullface is that he has a a very expensive collection like really expensive he'll spend thousands of dollars on a single figure that's highly articulated i'm not in that price range myself like ever but uh he is that's what he buys and i think a lot of people are kind of jealous that that's where he spends his money which is kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today right yeah yeah so uh coming back to it his so there's a lot of his videos that in my opinion are actually worth watching uh, not just for for the reviews but also the concepts um one that i uh watched a long time ago that he made a long time ago that i still very much agree with is he refuses to buy ko's absolutely refuses to buy them and the knockoffs right yeah and i agree third parties are not knockoffs um third parties are taking this the existing character and making a whole new mold out of it right they're making an original product with the same character knockoffs are taking usually hasbro's engineering and cheapening the plastic and then selling that so it's cheaper right so he absolutely will not buy knockoffs and I kind of agree with that. But that does get a lot of people kind of gets their uh, gets them in their feelings because they're buying all but, sorts of KOs. Yeah, because there is another side to that, which is sort of the juvenile appeal of the knockoffs. And all you need to know about that, and I'm not an expert on the Transformers, but Theo Adams um, has, it, it, people send him the knockoffs and he sort of enjoys them. Well, you know, he's, like he gets the cheap knockoffs, right? Like the dollar store want versions and stuff like that, right? R- right. P- people will find some like random shit in somewhere, the dollar store, and they'll send it to him. And, you know, and he, you know, I, I think he, appre- it seems to me he appreciates them at least, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of them. And there is a certain charm to the horrible, like, lack of quality to some of these, but yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, that's another type of knockoff, right? Those are the the like bottom of the barrel, scrape in the barrel uh, versions. But there are companies who um, will will reverse engineer a masterpiece, go with cheaper manufacturing, and then sell that cheaper manufacturing. And there are other YouTubers that buy it because, well. Hasbro makes a ton of money, so they don't need my money, and I'm being smart 
because I'm getting the KO version saving money, which is a whole nother topic in and of itself. It is, it is as I was about to say, that's a, that's a huge sort of minefield and, and thing. But yeah, when I say knockoffs, I was thinking specifically like for years over here, you would find at like dollar stores or uh, places like that, um, people would do well into the 2000s people would would sell uh clear rips and and knockoffs of like the uh uh g1 transformers Mm -hmm. uh for like that had were made out of of plastic that had the same consistency and thickness as like a straw a paper straw they were horrible but you could buy the whole set on like a a, a, like a blister card for like five dollars or something and that was until relatively recently you saw that yeah Oh, absolutely. I think I accidentally bought the Constructicons right. 15 years ago on something yeah. like that because I thought, hey, I wanted these as a kid. Now I can have the whole set. Exactly. And then I opened it and was like, oh, this is terrible. Constructicons are a major one. Um, the uh, Aerobots. And yeah. um, and then there were some. Uh, there's another setup. It doesn't matter, but all the time, yeah, yeah. Which actually does come bring us back to the actual video of Skullface. He's uh, there are two main threads uh, that we wanted to talk about. The first one is gaps in the collection, which is um, what do you do with the gaps? Uh, you know, like what do you do some gaps may never get filled um you know you're relying on another company to do the math calculus on whether that would be profitable or not and yeah what do you do about stuff or that situations like that i think the with the gaps it's interesting because it's last week we talked about how do you define uh success I think with gaps, it's how do you define gaps? Because mm-hmm. are you a completist? What does it mean to be a completist? I've been collecting Star Wars since 1977. I don't have all of them. I'm never going to have all of them because that's a tree that has branches that are, you know, going to some really rare air. So, um, so for me, it was like, what did I want? Why did I want it? What did I consider complete? And then you have Hasbro's been making modern Star Wars now for 30 years. Um, it never really stopped, but, you know, um, I don't have all of them. There are people that, what's complete? You know, you look at your collection. This is the, you're talking thousands of figures and then additional toys and vehicles and like, you know, and what do you consider gaps and what so it's I think it all goes down to focus if I think there's the the uber completist who's the completist literally and then there are people that have beyond underneath that because that's not realistic you know unless you have the means to do it which most of us don't and then there within that then are your focus in terms of I want I want all the figures or I want all the this character or whatever and you know and then it's identifying those or um maybe we'll talk about comic books too at some point because that's sort of like more for me recently is kind of 
where my attention has been, but like Kenner Star Wars, I have a complete collection of loose figures, but it's not complete because it's missing, um, like which some people would consider to make it complete, some of the rarest figures ever made, which includes the, real quick, the double telescoping Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which were production figures, of which maybe 30 exist total. Mm -hmm. So I know collectors um, that have those, but those are also figures that, that in their value, run somewhere around $25,000, $30,000, or probably more now these days. My collection's not complete. It's never going to be complete. We <laughs> talked at some point, uh, we talked about the uh, Rocket Fire and Boba Fett. So that there's, I think there's there are 18 or so examples of a... You could never consider this to be part of your collection because it wasn't production. These are just prototypes. But some people consider it to be like, your collection's not complete unless you have a rocket firing FET. Well, at the figure, the last one that sold at auction sold for $108,000. Okay, so your collection's not complete. Or whatever. For long, you know, it's economies of scale. It goes down, and yeah. so... It's, for some people, it's, well, you had to have Yak Face. Yak Face was impossible to get, or Vinyl Cape Jawa, or, you know, insert rare figure here, um, yeah. or this variation, or whatever. And it's like, where, where, what is, for me, the interesting thing is, what are your gaps? What, what do you consider to be your collection? Yeah, and to me, this raises another question, too, is, um, or a related one, which is... Um, holy grails what are your holy grails in your collection um so for me looking at transformers uh actually let me back up a bit and just talk about like gaps in my transformer collection and kind of my my take on it since i'm not creating these things myself right i'm just purchasing them the only thing that I'm contributing to my collection is money, my wallet. That, that's the end of it, right? I buy it, it comes, and then I display it. I, I'm pretty much strictly a consumer. Now, that's not the end of the story. I would love to design some of my own and make my own Transformers. Like, I think that'd be really cool. I think... I have a shot at maybe in 20 years making a decent one if I start now practicing. But, uh, like, right now I'm just a consumer. So I don't know if I necessarily consider gaps in my collection as in I, I'm more looking at what's available. And, you know, like, for example, uh, there were two Dinobot sets that came out third-party masterpieces giga power and fans toys a lot of people are like having to choose one or the other well due to the cost i chose giga power because they were larger and they felt more like the kind of style that i wanted um but if nobody ever made them i wouldn't consider that a gap in my collection because i can't do anything about it i would love a grimlock masterpiece but since I'm not designing it, I since I can't contribute to it, 
they just never made a Grimlock, and you know, so it goes. So that's kind of my my take on it. But on the other side, um, another popular character is Jazz. Uh, there were three or four masterpiece jazzes that came out. I like the character. I got them all. I have three masterpiece. I think three masterpiece jazzes in my collection. It makes no sense because most of the collectors with gaps, they only buy one, the best one of all of them. I, I'm sitting here with three of them. I got 20 Optimus Primes or so because, of course, I mean, I've got I've got doubles of a ton of characters because the engineering is different because, like, I don't I don't mind that they're they're the same character, but the engineering is completely different. So I find that part interesting. So I don't know if I necessarily have gaps like for me. But I do have Holy Grails. Um, I have ideas or maybe characters that a company made a really solid version of. And I want that. But it costs $400 and I'm not about to spend that right now. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of sit and watch until eventually the price goes down, which it never will. So I'm just gonna sit on it and and hope, and that's you can I guess you can consider that a gap in my collection, but it's not a gap because of like a character set that I want to complete. It's there because someone else made it. I want it. I don't have the money for it. Yeah, that's why those gaps exist. Um, it's because you don't have the means and I, I was as you were talking about that I was thinking one thing I've one reason I was interested in this particular conversation was I've been thinking lately about sort of my approach to collecting and I did the video you sent me the video and it was very sort of timely because it was you know I found myself with comic book collecting which I got back into seriously always by I've always bought comics but sort of collecting I got back into during the pandemic here and then I found myself doing what I was doing with Star Wars maybe 10 years ago which is at the time I was doing very well for myself uh, I was in a position to finally get those Kenner figures uh, get the Kenner stuff and um and then what happens is, is you complete your collection. So the big grail for me was always the Vinyl Cape Jawa. That was all I really ever sort of am, had ambition for. Right. And we did and, a podcast episode about that. We did in one of our uh, early ones. And so then I got that. And then, then it was, well, what's next? And then I started to... And then as you do that, you start to acquire more and then you start, you get to know people and then you start having opportunities to get more valuable things, um, which at the time was very much easier than it is now because this is 2010, this is before the Disney sale 
prices were historically low for vintage Kenner Star Wars, which now forget about it. So I was benefited from the prices being low and then also I had the means finally to really sort of um, uh, go after some of these. But I found as I got more opportunities and I, I, I started to sort of feel uncomfortable um, when the, some of the prices, because even then the prices, as you go up that ladder, the prices start to make you sweat a little bit. Um, and I started doing this thing, which I, I found myself doing recently with comic books, where uh, just because you can do a thing doesn't mean that you should do a thing. <laughs> so Right. So I, I could have bought back then a carded um, or the boxed early bird set, which I had an opportunity to do. I've had opportunity, I've talked about on the pod recently, I've had opportunities to buy some major iconic comic books that I would really like that are very expensive. But I found myself, but then I was like, what, do I want them just because I want them or do I want them because I can, I can get them? And then so it's like, what do I really want? And like, what do I really, what are the things I really care about? And so I went through this thing where I was like, really what I, what I wanted, like with the Kenner stuff, what I wanted is I just wanted the figures and I wanted the Vinyl Cape Jawa because I'm a Jawa guy. But the comics, it's like, I'm an X-Men guy. So it's like, I want the X-Men. It's, which in itself is difficult for reasons we've talked about on the pod. And then I'm a, I'm a, also a huge Harley Quinn fan and it's like, so I want the Harley Quinn stuff. And Harley is fun because even though she's challenging in the comic books, unlike these things I grew up with, X-Men and Spider-Man, which by the time I was a kid and I was reading them, those, those were already gone in most respects. Harley is, uh, for me as a collector, is um, identifiable and obtainable. Um, because uh, for several reasons and I thought wouldn't a cool thing be I, I'm such a huge Harley fan wouldn't it and I, I love comic books shouldn't my goal I have some of them but like shouldn't my goal be if I'm a completist kind of couldn't I could, could I get all the Harley comic books or at least the and actually because of the way that it worked out with her in the comic books you the, her first dozen two dozen comic books are very they're, they're they came in weird things and so like and they came out at it in then chunks they, it wasn't like a run that went on forever like spider-man and i was like shouldn't shouldn't i try to get those and and shouldn't i try to get them now when you know because 30 years from now they'll be like spider-man or x-men now that kind of a thing and, and not really what i care about instead of like Oh, here comes Fantastic Four 52 or Giant Size X-Men. Things I would love to have. But are they really are they really gaps in my collection? Are they really holes because that was never, right? I never thought about those until oh, it was there and I could I could theoretically get it, right? Mm -hmm. And I that and then I I started I was explaining to someone that sort of uncomfortability that that sort of made me feel and then I in, in talking it out and then thinking it out I realized it's this is the thing that happens with me sometimes it's that it's um, I don't enjoy 
the aspect of it that as you get as those there's a threshold i don't know quite what it is but it involves a it involves sort of a monetary threshold where i'm like it starts to make me feel uncomfortable and i don't enjoy it so like bobby skullface you mentioned earlier his collection is impressive so behind him in his video he has his room which is just <laughs> nothing nothing but um cases of stuff right all the comics and, and yeah yeah and I, I've had, like, behind me here, I have some figures and, and things like that, but I've had at various points my all my stuff out, like my Kenner stuff and all that kind of thing. But did some of the... I, I, I think it's a, it is a product of other things in my life. I The stuff start, get, make, induces anxiety in me. And so mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, the, you know... I found myself more and more just like I retreating from um, that type of a thing, that type of mentality in collecting, which I think we all suffer from because what happens is, is we're living in a moment now where you're inundated by almost daily. Here's the next thing. Here's the next cool thing. There's so many cool things. Then it has the stick price sticker on it, which is ridiculous. You get your HasLab right now from Hasbro, the Ghost Rider car, which is $350 objectively cool you have a lot of people who are voting with their wallet on this one and they're like you know it's it's you know but there are people who are completists that they got to have all the has labs that type of shit mm-hmm. you know they got to have all the marvel legends and this one in particular screws you especially for me as an x-men fan because one of the tiers is uh, madeline Pryor, the goblin queen who has nothing to do with ghost rider and so they've infuriated uh, this is a real quick tangent. They even infuriated X Men collectors because they threw Maddie Pryor into the tears, and that's probably the only way they're ever going to do it. Do her, and so they responded by a lot of people unbacked it. So its its numbers have been dwindling since mm-hmm. the uh, since her announcement. Um, lesson learned for Hasbro: uh, don't come at your X Men people. Um, but. That's the type of thing. So, like, you know, in, uh, so you're forcing X Men and Legends collectors to who are in, intend to be completists to buy something in the car that they really don't want. They really don't want Galactus and the Sentinel. That's, you know, that's easy for most people. The car, that's sort of like nah. But and also, um, didn't they include Mephisto as well? Mephisto figure everybody wants in their collection Marvel Legends guys because he's a major Marvel character never Toy Biz and Hasbro have never done him and so this is a major figure that everybody wants and been looking forward to um, that caused some grumbling but Matt and the Pryor sunk the boat because that was like that That really was that Hasbro Marvel Legends they do a great job a great job that was that was uh, a mistake right yeah I, I saw that and i was wondering like oh i goblin queen i didn't know who that was i figured it was something to do with ghost rider uh ghost rider ravi reyes but apparently not so yeah that's a that's a huge miss she's a uh, real quick uh madeline Pryor, uh goblin queen a major x-men villain clone of jean gray married scott who he probably dumped the minute jean came back from the dead she didn't All take right. it very well. All right. <laughs> but I'll just say, um, like, for, you know, sort of on the gaps part, I don't really think in gaps anymore except for the comic books. Um, 
So my sort of goal is I want to have the Claremont run of X-Men, uh, which is definable. It's 16 years of comics. It's the big chunk of change there from 75 to 91. And um, uh, so that's fun and it's rewarding because you come across them and um, you find them and I add, you know, every month I feel I add a couple more, but there's still so many, you know, there are some, I have some, some of them, the early ones are very expensive. Um, I've been able to get, because prices have been, have softened up on comics recently, I've been able to get a few. There are some giant size X-Men, which are just, um, challenging. And then Harley, um, Harley is, I want to get all the Harley Quinn comic books and I have, um, I've done very well, uh, recently in terms of being able to trade for some of the really early ones, which are very, very hard to get. Some of her, some of her stuff came out during the post speculator boom, uh, crash or burst, I should say there in the nineties. And a lot of her major comic books came out in that period after print runs are low. Combine that with Harley makes them uh, challenging, but I've been very fortunate, and so I, I would I just I want to get a I don't think I can get a complete Harley because you're talking about every comic she's been in since 1992. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a lot of comic books, especially in the last 20 years. But that first 10 years um, is uh, that's because there are it's a set number. Um, those are obtainable and so that's that's kind of fun to me like you know I, I and a lot of it's Paul Dini and Bruce Tim and I absolutely adore them I absolutely adore her I'm a huge fan of the animated series and I love the art I love the aesthetic and um you know you think of like Mad Love or the Harley and Ivy set um you know I just I, I love those anyway and so I was like I want to get those and so I've done very well in those a few more I need to get some of them are challenged and but it's a challenge and it's it's um waiting in, like in some cases like you said it's waiting for the right opportunity prices to go down the problem with her and some other stuff is some of those are not gonna it's like her first appearance Batman Adventures 12 it's never going down yeah it's only gonna go it's uh, all those like you name it black panther spider-man wolverine once they go they go and they're gone so um you know I, i've seen some cr- crazy prices here it's been the anniversary for harley in september and i've seen some crazy prices for batman adventures 12 makes me very feel very fortunate i have one because geez yeah uh just real quickly i'm noticing that as we're talking about gaps um there are kind of two ideas of gaps in, in your collection that are kind of coming up. You and I are talking about gaps from what is already existing, like the first 10 years of Harley or, or whatnot. Um, and then even for me, like the gaps in my Transformer collection is based on what exists. But the other idea, just for clarity's sake, of what gaps are is um, like some people will collect only season one of G1 of Transformers and they want every character that has ever appeared in the TV show. Well, there are there are gaps there and that some companies have never made 
those figures. So what do you do about that? Like, how do you complete your collection when the thing itself doesn't, ex it doesn't even exist? That's some people point. only want G1 or some people want only X-Men in Marvel Legends. Yeah, so like Maddie Pryor, it never right. done her. They've never done her. So for some people, that's their white whale. Mephisto, um, for Star Wars, they've never made the Tonica sisters. Seems like they never will. So those are two the two ladies from the cantina scene in Star Wars. People have uh, been asking for them since 1978. Hasbro is never going to do them for reasons which don't matter for our conversation. But um, so for some people, consider their collection incomplete because they haven't made this character. Hasbro and and Kenner collectively, and so in the last 40 plus years, have been super comprehensive with the Star Wars universe because they've made so many figures of the most obscure characters, but they haven't done everyone and so some people consider that to be incomplete there are characters they've yet to do from a lot of the new entertainment the new movies and new tv shows that i'm going to say they're never going to get to because of the utter volume mm -hmm. of what they're dealing with so you know hasbro complains about this all the time but they, they have so many choices to choose from when it comes to star wars and so few slots and their, their opportunities to get to this figure or that character dwindle rapidly because of the circumstances. I get that. That doesn't bother me. But as a collector, none of that bothers me. My life doesn't, my collecting life doesn't hinge on the Tonica sisters. Um, I don't care about any of that. Would I love it if they made them? Or would I love it if they made a, a host of Clone Wars characters from the animated show? that they've never made I would love it just as a fan I would buy it all but if they don't make it I don't consider anything incomplete because it to me it's that that's just not yeah you know it, it's it is what it is you know so it's like completeness I don't like I think I kind of was saying earlier I don't really think in those terms anymore with the comic books that's that's different because it's the run mm -hmm. it's you know you can you can either define it by era this is the alan moore swamp thing this is the claremont x-men or you can literally define it as this is the run amazing spider-man number one right all the way yeah. so those things you know or harley it's collectively these things because she her thing was piecemeal but um that's much more definable and and so from a collecting standpoint much more you know uh, unless it's like a particular toy line, a lot of '80s toy lines, G1 had a very definable beginning, very definable end. But like you said, within it, within that, are subsets of things people didn't like. Pretenders, headmasters, other people like whatever. So right. they don't care about those. But you know, a complete G1 collection, that's super impressive, right? Because a lot of those figures are very expensive and very rare. You know, and whenever you see them, especially with the boxes or in the boxes or just whatever, that G.I. Joe is another one. Because of the scale and the volume of those figures, the value of them, the, the when you see them, when you see someone who has a collection like that, a vintage collection, my cousin Ben with Joe's or He-Man, uh, Masters of the Universe, it's very impressive because it's, you very rarely see all that stuff together, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, um... I mean, like, for me, with Transformers, is 
Uh, I'll just say it outright. The there's a company called Fans Toys. They make uh, third-party Transformers, some of the best uh, of the third parties out there. Just bar none, some of the best ones. Um, their prices pretty much never go down, like ever. Even when the official Hasbro Takara Tomy masterpiece comes out, the Fans Toys version does not depreciate. Even though now there's direct competition with the official one, yeah, their prices just never, ever go down. And they also get, like, mopped up almost as quickly as they come out. So you're kind of stuck in that, as we were talking before in another episode about buying defensively. With fans' toys, you kind of got to shell out a lot of money in order to be defensive to get what you want because once that first run is out you're kind of stuck um and so for me there are a couple really nice fans toys that i i'm sitting on uh the holy grail one is their version of jetfire i always loved jetfire as a character um i thought he was really interesting that he could be both uh, the bad guy and the good guy um and that fans toys version of him is an impressive mold it is really amazing costs four hundred dollars at a minimum Th- that ain't coming home i i know that but on at the same time on the other hand i just recently got uh got this one i don't know how well you can see it but this is the Fans Toys uh, Outback, or Aussie. No, Aussie is their name. Outback is the character name. Mm. Uh, it is the beige version of Brawn. Brawn is the green mini bot that everyone knew. G1 character. Uh, I always wanted Brawn. Never had him as a kid. Uh, always wanted him because he was an interesting character on the show. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if this was for planning or just happy accident or whatnot, uh, but I did manage to get the beige version of Brawn, which is Outback. Um, I didn't really care for Outback as much because, you know, it's not Brawn. It's the same figure because, you know, Transformers are full of uh, recolors and redecos and slight changes to the mold, but then it's a whole new character. So I still had Outback. Well, Fans Toys came out with Brawn. I got it. It's in my collection. And then just recently they released Outback. And you know what? I got it. I got it because that was the one that I had as a kid. And I liked it. You know, in the end, I liked it. And now there's a bit of nostalgia in me having the Masterpiece version of it. But I also have the original one that I wanted way back when I was a kid and never got the original brawn. Like, even though it's the same mold, same transformation as if you're an engineering collector, it's the same engineering, but I got both and I like having both. Like one is the one that I wanted. One is the modern version of the nostalgia. I was I was like Brian. Uh, Brian See? was one of the few ones I could afford 
because they were $2.29, um, which goes into the other part of uh, the Skullface video, which I think it was interesting. So I thought it was interesting that he talked about he talked about gaps. We've been talking about gaps in terms of hole in your collection, theoretical hole in your collection. But then he started talking about the um, gaps that exist because of some deficit. I don't know if deficit is the right word. Something missing in your life as a kid. And I thought it was really f it's fascinating and that I was a little bit brave of him to talk about. This is something collectors that I see at least never talk about. Yeah. And so I thought it was interesting because going back to what I was saying about feeling uncomfortable, you get to a certain price threshold, I guess. Um, I think that stems from being a kid. And so as we grew up in the 80s, and so we're products of a generation which, of which these toys and all these things we're talking about, collecting reached it, was truly... Uh, became a cultural thing. And so, well, it was the first of its kind, right? Yeah, Due to yeah. the repeal of the Advertising to Kids Act. Well, you have you just have the the, the idea begin the, collecting. Obviously, toys and all these things we're talking about existed prior to that. But with Star Wars in 1977, you have the introduction of the this, the the toy line as we think of it today, and then that led in then directly into the 80s which all these brands transformers joe uh he-man etc etc then uh come about because of the relaxation and the the consumer uh guidelines um and that inundates <laughs> an entire generation of boys and girls who then today cut to 40 years later are still collecting these um, in broad spectrum, like there's all these different formats to the point of um, ridiculousness. But is that is that nostalgia? Is it trying to compensate for some sort of gap in your childhood? You couldn't afford these, so like I, you know, like when I was a kid, I had no money at all. The fact that we had any toys at all, I think, is something of a minor miracle. I still don't know how it happened given, you know, we had the Star Wars figures here and there, and I had the odd Transformer, etc. It was a lot of knockoffs. It was a lot of um, stuff at the drugstore. Uh, drugstore, for folks who don't remember, uh, was uh, where people got their drugs and their medicine before your Walgreens and your CVS and your Walmart and Target. Um, but... Um, it's yeah, I, th I think it's probably on some level it's driven by some of that stuff. It's you couldn't get it then, and so there was always that have and have nots. There were kids who did have that stuff, and they were very uh, loud about it, I suppose, in their way. And um, back in the day, and then as an adult, you're you have the motive, means, and opportunity to sort of go back and get these things why are you doing what does it matter is a question has been posed to me here and there what, what is it why, why are you doing this like I don't understand why this is important it's like what are you doing um, you know uh, so you know it's a valid question for sure yeah so like 
we don't need to delve into our own childhood trauma, but uh, uh, Bobby Skullface did. And, you know, it's what do these characters represent? Which comes back to an old podcast that we did of why we collect to begin with. Why why these figures? Um, you know, like, it, we talked about it just a bit before the podcast about um, childhood, like, missing in the gaps from childhood. Now as an adult, I can afford these toys. Uh, but also some of the toys that I have I would never have gotten even as a kid. Like I mentioned the Eternals uh, before the podcast, but also like um, Loki. I would not have bought Loki uh, way back when. I was not a big fan of Loki back then. Um, Black Panther. I liked Black Panther, but not enough to get every single figure that he's ever released in the past uh, two years, three years four years now um yeah like zombie captain america i like that figure but i probably i would never have bought it as from childhood so there's an element there as well like this is the these don't have the nostalgia factors but there is something about them that tickles my fancy as an adult the we've talked about it on the pod before too like you know the for me I, I don't like to apply a lot of scrutiny to some of this stuff and so when when I get asked about like why my f- fascination or fixation on this character or that character I sort of struggle because I don't it's not an intellectual thing so like with yeah, Harley sure. it's not but it's, it's not intellectual so um but we've talked about on the pod it's it's um you know like one reason i got really heavily back into comics these last few years because i was feeling very disconnected and in comic books i feel very connected to uh the story and the characters and that world that sort of tactile world that um when we talk about gaps was beyond critical for me as a kid so as a kid i you know, to Skull, Skullface's point, um, there were a lot of gaps in terms of, um, and when I was a kid, in terms of money, there wasn't any security, there wasn't any stability, there wasn't any. Uh, I like him, I come from a broken home, I, I had a single mom, um, and some of the 80s, a lot of the 80s, I simply choose to forget. Um, but comic books and, and movies, and but really comic books, because the movies, this is before VHS in some cases, you went to the movies and you, you took it home with you in your head. But the comic books were that, right? That sort of physical, uh, you had it. Mm-hmm. And there was something, and I could just open it and wake up in the middle of the night and you and you do this thing I do... Uh, to this day where I, I, I don't understand what it is about two or three times a year I I, uh, I simply become an insomniac for a couple weeks and I don't know what does that um, it just happens I, I have no it's like literally I have no control over it uh, so you'd open up a comic book uh, you'd open up a magazine or, or you know this is back when they would do the souvenir magazines for movies and stuff and um, 
that part of it, I think, I the, 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 does fill a gap that is missing, I suppose, to what Skullface was saying. I think about that sometimes. Like I said, I try not to think about it a lot. It's not intellectual for me. It's just, it's emotional. It's it's sort of a primal sort of connection to these things. And to the extent that carries over to Rachel and Kitty uh, or Harley or, you know, the particular characters, then, you know, I don't think about that too much either. But um, it, it comes up because I'm collecting these things in terms of comic books or occasionally action figures, which Hasbro, by the way, I'm still waiting for Rachel Summers. Um, but you know, that type of a thing, or when people, uh, read my books and, uh, or this is talking about them and they sort of comment on the, uh, the obvious influence of, uh, Rachel and Kitty on Kit uh and abby or harley and ivy on kid and abby um that type of a thing so i get it but i don't think about it a ton but i do i have thought about especially the last couple years i have thought about that that connective part of it because story and that sort of escape especially into the world of the x-men or batman with gotham is not you know gotham is less appealing to me than the X-Men universe but and I think one reason Harley is so interesting to me is because the way that she made that finally uh, for me uh, uh, compelling um, she there was finally hope in it I'll say that mm -hmm. um, there was never hope in Gotham and, and Batman's world before her and I think you see that finally now 30 years later as she sort of comes into her own um, the that was the hope and, and the X-Men always had hope even in the dark X-Men was always miserable <laughs> it was always terrible they were right they were always suffering someone was always dying someone there was always being persecuted but that, at the end of the day they were all like just you know persevere Excalibur one re Excalibur born out of grief and trauma uh, the reason that team exists is because the X-Men all died and um, you know uh, Rachel and Kitty and uh, Kurt uh, were the survivors and they regrouped in Britain and formed Excalibur and that early book I didn't realize it then and I didn't realize it until just recently in the last couple of years that, that one reason that book struck me the way it did is because they were products of trauma they were products of grief and the way that they dealt with that in oftentimes a, a zany silly way in British humor which of course I couldn't really appreciate at the time um, that's one reason why that worked. It made such a deep impression on me. So um, I, I do think these things function in a way. They're filling in gaps. They're filling in um, aspects to yourself which are which are, are needful. You know, when you're young, mm -hmm. and I think that's different for it's different for everybody. And a lot of us collectors think about it in terms of monetary terms because most of us come from backgrounds which you didn't have those means as we've talked about. But for other people, like Skullface was saying, it, it goes beyond that. And I, I, I think, I don't like to think about it. It probably bears thinking about, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, one question that comes up in my mind as we're talking about it is the, like, I, I get that you don't think about it uh, or kind of plan it out, right? Like, I, I get that. 
And comics are a bit of an exception because, you know, you can read them. It's like a, a book, right? Just buying a book. You can buy books all the time. So in terms of the gaps in childhood or trauma from childhood or things from childhood or even as an adult, what translates into buying the figure itself you know like why why buy the toy and not say a high-priced art of the toy or of the character you know and, and that goes for me too why do i have so many marvel legends when i could have taken that money and and purchased uh more books more comics I think it goes to, for me, it goes to what I was saying earlier about the uncomfortability. So, like, I'm a huge uh, Princess Leia person, Carrie Fisher person. I don't own any uh, sideshow or, or uh, hot toys or whatever those are. You know what I mean? Those, like, mm -hmm. super yep. expensive, which go up into the $400, $500 range and things like that. I just, I, I'm not that type of, but I, I buy all of her figures regardless, Hasbro regardless of scale because um, because I love her but the most valuable Carrie Fisher thing I own is a poster uh, that was given to me by a very close friend which was uh, for uh, Lucasfilm employees when she passed away Carrie um, it was made internally for them and that she's on my wall she's over my computer and she's always looking out for me uh, Carrie because um, Carrie, Carrie meant the world to me. Um, she not just because of Princess Leia, but because she was someone who always was very frank and open in her life with her struggles. And she was a writer. She was a novelist. And when I was very young, it meant a lot to me that she was a writer, and she was funny, and she was brilliant, and she was open about her uh, struggles, which when I was younger I thought were very similar. In some ways they are. I never had any struggles with addiction, but I certainly understood them because I had experience with it uh, in my family. But um, her struggles with uh, depression and, and all of that stuff um, were very relatable. And I understand now, later in life, um, finally, what a lot of that stemmed from. Um, but to have her as this sort of, um, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but to, she, she was a sort of a stabilizing presence in my life for most of my life. And so when I, when I buy the figures, in some way it represents that, I guess. When I, her poster uh, on my wall represents that certainly. The same goes for Harley and the other characters I've been talking about to some extent, um, right? I think they all occupy some degree of the same space, um, but you know, that's that's what I'm kind of thinking about. I guess if I'm thinking about, it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. But. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either myself. Uh... Because I'm, you know, same thing with me with my Transformers, uh, with, with my Marvel Legends. Um, why? 
Why didn't I buy more books? Why didn't I buy, you know, something else that represents the characters? Uh, commissioned artwork, for example, or why didn't I make my own art? Learn to draw and make it myself. Uh, yeah, I I wish I could draw. I say I'll say that because I I love art and a big driver in collecting for me is art and um, I wish I could draw and I, I just I don't I don't have the talent so I'm drawn to that you know those I'm drawn to artists a lot I you know there's some comic books I collect them just for the art you know mm-hmm. for a while for a long time I just said I buy them because I like them and kept it at that but maybe there is something more to it. You know, for me, getting the the Masterpiece Transformers feels good. It feels like, uh, not childhood, but it feels like they've grown up with me. Like, uh, I'm not getting the original G1 toys. I'm getting the modern Masterpieces. So these are the ones that look like the TV character or the, the cartoon. These are the ones that that have personality within them uh like for example this uh outback that i just got he's got a face that has like this half smile it's uh best i can describe it is it's that half smile that harrison ford uses as indiana jones you know where it's like it's like only half of his face is working Right. They they because, sculpted yeah, that because, into, huh? <laughs> so say because Indy has neurological damage from all the cliffs he's fallen off of. That's why. <laughs> right. But like you know, just that that little change puts so much personality into this figure that I can look at it and uh, I don't know. It just conveys more than just a stoic figure who's looking blank at something or sea spray is another character i have he turns into a hovercraft well the version that i have he comes with a, a like a plastic toy pail for playing on the beach <laughs> he comes with a beach ball and he comes with like skis and a rope that you can attach to masterpiece bumblebee and have bumblebee like water skiing connected to sea spray that is so much personality in that figure like it's not even uh uh the character it's like that is so much personality in the figure itself and it's really great to to have it in my collection and then display it it just yeah it, it it's fun to look at same thing with my uh, Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. They're posed right here in a way that they're fun to look at. It, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. And I didn't know either of those characters until adulthood. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of joy in it, you know, the fun of it. You, you love different aspects of it, what you, you mentioned, like the engineering or the sculpting or, you know, some figures at, at any sort of price point or scale can very often be works of art. And then for me, you know, like especially with the vintage ones, it's it's really the, 
I, I, a lot of people use the word nostalgia. I don't always, I feel like that's a word that's very quickly getting uh, overused. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, to me, it's, it's, it's that tactile quality of it. Why do I want, why did I want all the Kenner figures, the modern Hasbro ones are objectively better. It's the tactile quality of it. It's the, the connection to it. Uh, it's the same, you know, you name it. It's the same with, with every other thing. Um, you know, in books, I, I have, you know, book, uh, novels and things like that that are personally important to me. It's like, are there better versions of it or better covers or whatever? Yeah, but it's that book. It's, it's whatever, you know. Um, comic books, I have, some comic books I have are rough shape or rougher shape than others. You can always get, you find a better one for more money. Well, it's that one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that type of a thing. And so that stuff doesn't enter into it. And I think that what I've, I've definitely realized is um, like I, I had mentioned earlier with the uncomfortability of it it's like I, I, I do find a lot of discomfort with the prospect of like leveling up in some sort of uh, bracket when it terms in terms of collecting and, and so I, I think I you know it, it's for me it's like having perspective on what gaps are you trying to fill? Is it just having the thing? And then to the extent it pays to think about any of this stuff we've been talking about, like, what is it? You know, what, what, what is it? What are you trying to fill? Is it just, you know, just because you can? That's not a reason to do it, um, you know. Um, and so what is the thing that really matters to you? And why, why does it matter? Well, you know you think about that or you, or not it's up to you you know some of it I, I think is sort of um, you know it's it's sort of especially when you're young and you're and you're poor you grew up like I did when you're poor the value of things doesn't lie in its uh, monetary value because um, you have nothing of monetary value so value lies in other things and so it often lies in experience or uh, the the um, sort of a value you place on objects or things that goes beyond their obviously their um, monetary value. So, um, which are in some ways you know just priceless. So you can't ever put a quantitative price on some things like that. So. Um, you know, and I think as you get older too, it's the same. You know, we're all we do that in other things as well. So, um, you know, I think collect collecting. It's like I think the conversation is fascinating because it sort of forces you to sort of scrutinize your sort of you know, put a mirror up to what you're doing, which we don't always do because we're we're creatures that have it. We you know pre-order drops click, wait. <laughs> right it's 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 so habitual it's so thoughtless you just do it um and it, i think it probably benefits us to to put more <laughs> put more thought into it sure definitely self-reflection is is good you know find out why you do the things that you do and it doesn't have to be deep but at least find out why i don't I don't know that you need to find out why. I, I, I think it pays to maybe think about 
what is important to you. Um, and if, you know, like, what is it that really produces a response in you or that you really care about? And so it's so easy with any aspect of collecting to go down rabbit holes that you don't intend to because it's nothing but rabbit holes. Yeah. And so, especially today where it's so segmented, so, but it pays to like think about what is, what is really important to me because you can get caught up in the moment uh, you can get caught up in FOMO. You can get caught up in whatever in is opportunity. In the hunt, opportunities present themselves, and you're in. You have an opportunity that you didn't have before, and so you're like, "Well, maybe I should." Um, but and then maybe it, then then there's, if, there's, if there's any part of you that sort of then is skeptical about that, it pays to listen to that. Yeah. Because because it's like, why are you skeptical? <laughs> And the reason you're skeptical is because it doesn't really connect to you. Sure. It doesn't really, right? There's something about it that doesn't quite make it. And so when you're going through the comic book box and you come, you know, or the wall or whatever, and you come across a comic book that you think, well, this is a cool, important slash valuable comic book. I should buy this because I'm here and I can buy it not necessarily right um or whatever same thing with an action figure like you know they're they're making all these act like the Haslab thing you know why well, i'm an x-men fan so and i want madeline Pryor. uh therefore i must buy ghost rider no and so i i it is i think i it's positive to see collectors voting with their wallets here in this one, and I th- that's a lesson for Hasbro, I think, in this case. It's, you know, um, uh, that, uh, you know, they're putting their foot down, I guess. Right. So. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking, too, like, another aspect of collecting and kind of even creating some gaps and the whole nostalgia bit is uh you know there comes a point growing up where at least for me i started calculating the price of the stuff that i want to buy for my collection uh compared with the hours that i have to work to make that right so if something cost twenty dollars i would start thinking okay well that means i have to work four hours as a bartender right whatever that that was and so then that's how I would decide whether to buy something or not is, well, do I want to work for four hours or two hours or whatever the, the number is? Do I want to work that long just to have this thing? And that stemmed a lot of my purchases when I was younger, uh, you know, mid 20s, low 20s. I just couldn't justify buying a lot of stuff because I had to work a lot of hours just to be able to get it. Well, now fast forward 20 odd years and I have that thought like, well, I have to work this many hours, but then I also think, well, yeah, screw it. I have to work that many hours. I want it. So there's a bit of like defiance in there as well. 
It's interesting. I, I will say um, it's probably telling about my approach to collecting or anything is I never think about price other than, oh, I can't afford this, right? Like, <laughs> I never apply any, like you like you were saying, with like, oh, I have to work. I, I never have ever thought about it that way. And I think that's a product of how I grew up is that it's just price and that type of stuff was never a factor because you either have it you could either get it or you couldn't. Two dollars twenty nine cents. You could either do it or you couldn't. And so today the prices are a little bit higher, <laughs> right? So you can either do it or you can't. So that, I think that's just for me. You know, the only the only stop on that with me is like, oh my God, that's impossible. You know, sticker shock or whatever it is. And increasingly, that's toys in general, because these guys are these guys are out here. The prices on toys. Your retail toys for Hasbro have gone up 25, 30% in the last two years. Simply, it's put me, it's priced me out. It's priced me out completely. Um, not completely, but mostly, I should say. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's a very real thing. And, like, you know, um, I heard uh, something the other day. Uh, apparently, there's some layoffs going on in Hasbro this week. Um, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, I uh, hopefully... Hopefully things even out and get better, and hopefully the prices come down because uh, it's it, it 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 spoils collecting, but it pushes you to different stuff, and so yeah, uh, you know, it, I, I guess suppose it is what it is on some level. Yeah, that's true. That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.